0: Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. And are you glad to be here? Amen, man. man. It's great to see your faces. And hey, if you're worshiping with us online, then we are so glad you're worshiping here with us as well. And man, when you're ready, we're ready to have you back. All right. Uh, So we're in a series called Making Home Work. And... uh, I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to open them up to the book of Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to land today, Romans chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you a story. This this is a story of a young couple. Uh, They fell in love young. They were high school sweethearts. Uh, they loved each other. They loved God. What else did they need? Uh, they got married and things were wonderful. Things were great. And then somewhere around year 3, things got a little choppy. Things got a little dicey. They were in uh, finishing up grad school, working multiple jobs, meeting each other, coming and going. Things were getting a little tense. And really, quite honestly, the focus on their relationship wasn't what it used to be. Uh, one morning… Uh, the young husband wakes up to hear his wife crying and he goes to talk to her, what's wrong? And she said, this just isn't working. She put her briefcase over her shoulder, went off to work, and they both had this feeling of fear inside of them that something was terribly, terribly wrong. That couple learned what most married couples know and that is that Marriage is hard, relationships are hard, and they're hard to keep going for the long haul. In fact, uh, just recently saw some statistics on from a family law firm, McKinley and Irvin family law firm. This is what they said about marriage and divorce, and up here you can see it. First marriages hover right around 42-45% of first marriages in in divorce, second marriage uh, 60% of them end in divorce. Third marriage, 73% end in divorce. Marriage is difficult to maintain over the life, over your life. And not only that, when you drive, drive down a little bit deeper into what's the hardest year of marriage, well, according to a, a thousand uh, a couple survey, Uh, They're saying what you've always thought is the seventh year is actually the most difficult year. And they say the reason why is because by the time you've been married seven years, you probably got a couple of kiddos Uh, at this point. Now you're trying to juggle finances and juggle raising children, and all that pressure seems to make year seven, for most people, the most difficult year. Um, You know, the couple that I was talking about, they… They figured out early on that something had to change if their relationship was going to last. And the reason why I know this is because that couple was Liz and myself. It it was us, and we had to figure out that something had to change. And so, I want to share with you what changed, and I want to share with you uh, what is the single-most Important principle for healthy relationships overall, not just in marriage, but in any relationship. The single number one principle for healthy relationships. By the way, every time I teach on the family, every time I teach on this general topic, I always do a message on this one issue because I believe it is so important. And if you have heard it before, you need to hear it again. All right. Just go ahead and tell. You don't even know what it is. Go ahead and tell the person next to you. You need to hear this again. All right. Uh, because we all need to be reminded what is the single most important principle for healthy relationships. When this thing is working, everything's working. When this is not working, nothing is working. And we find it in Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 10. So let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 10. This is the Word of God. It says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters outdo one another in showing honor. Some versions say, uh, put it differently, uh, take the lead in honoring one another. Others say, um, uh, enjoy honoring one another what uh, would you circle the word honor, the word honor. This is a critical word, and I want to spend the rest of my time talking about it. What is honor? Honor is a big deal to God. Every relationship is based on honor. So what is it? Why is it difficult to do? How does it work? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's just go ahead and jump into what is honor. What is honor? Um, The Greek word used here in Romans 12.10 is the word timae, which means to see something of great value or to see something as priceless. Of great value or priceless. Uh, I just came back this week from New York City and most of you know that the Met or the Metropolitan Museum of Art is the largest art museum in the United States. It has a, over a $2 billion endowment, so it has a lot of money to procure pieces of art from all over the world. But what is the single most valuable piece of art in the Met? Well, that would be a painting called the Madonna and Child. Okay, here's a picture of it right there. This thing is a small little painting about the size of an 8 and a half by 11 sheet of paper uh, painted by a, um, a pre-Renaissance artist. And the story about this painting is really interesting. This painting was found in the basement of a house in Belgium, and the people that found it looked at it, thought that it looked important. They went ahead and had it assessed, and sure enough, it, it was a, a, a unique uh, piece of art. Uh, art museums from all over the world came in to evaluate it and to to price it and bid on it, and uh, the. Uh, The leader, the head of the Metropolitan Museum of Art saw it as well, Felipe de Monticello. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Anyway, he looked at it, and when he saw the piece of art, he said, we must have it. Not only that, he whipped out his checking account, or his check, and stroked a $45 million check for that piece of art. $45 million dollars. Now, one person didn't think it was worth much, it was in the basement. Another person thinks it's incredibly priceless, worth $45 million. That is at the heart of what honor is. Honor is seeing something as valuable, seeing something as priceless, seeing something as important. So, when we're told to honor one another, that means that we see that other person as somebody valuable, somebody that's priceless, somebody that's important, somebody that, that has worth and meaning, that person that's the most important person in your life. That's what it means to honor someone. And when you treat someone with honor, you treat them as valuable and important and special and unique. And listen, the, the converse is true. If you dishonor someone, then you treat them like they're not important. You treat them like they're not valuable. Like what they say has no weight or no meaning. Like, uh, like they are a nuisance more than somebody that has your heart. So, honor is the single most important principle for making relationships work. It is the glue that holds relationships together. I might even say it's a glue that holds society together. Now, here's why I say that, because there are three things the Bible teaches us about honor. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. i got a lot of content today, so I hope you're jotting these things down, okay? The first thing that we know about honor is this, that it's a command of God, that God commands us to honor. Sixty-nine times in the Bible, we're told to honor in lots of different ways. For example, we're to honor God with our lives. We're to honor Christ. Uh, We're to honor uh, our government leaders. We're to honor our boss at work. Husbands are to honor their wife. Wives are to honor and respect their husbands. Children are to honor their parents. You're to honor your body. You're to honor the marriage and marriage itself. You're to honor widows, the scripture says. It goes on to say that as Christians, we're to honor one another. We're to be sure that we treat each other honorably. Uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, 17 says, honor everyone. Hebrews 13, 18 says, act honorably in all things. So this idea of honor, as Christians, we are called to live honorably in every relationship that we have. It's all based on honor, to respect Uh, to treat as valuable every person. Why? Because you go back a couple of messages in this series, we talked about every person is created in the image of God, Imago Dei. And that every person, because they are stamped with an image of God, they are worthy of respect and protection and honor. This is a deeply held Christian value. Comes from Christ, comes from God's Word. This is how Christians act, or at least how we should act, right? Second thing about honor is because it, it is a command of God, It is also a choice that you make. And here's the main thing I want you to get from this point, and that is that honor is not your default position. You don't don't just naturally choose to honor someone. Unfortunately, the opposite is true. Our natural default position is to dishonor others because we think if we can push them down, then that lifts us up, right? And so, we, we're naturally going to have a problem with this command because we have a default position to dishonor, but honor is a choice that you make. You make the choice every day and how you respond, how do you act, what do you, what do you say? Whether at work or with a colleague or uh, in your home or whatever the situation, you are making choices every day whether to honor or dishonor a person. The third thing about honor that we know is this it is a cycle. Meaning that if you honor someone, then the good chance is that they're going to honor you back. (laughs) Right? And if you dishonor someone or diss someone, then chances are they're going to dishonor you back. Okay? So, let me just give an illustration. Uh, uh, Husband and wife come home from work. They've both been working in in the careers. They both make it home. She makes it home first. She starts dinner. The kids are you know, hitting each other and throwing stuff at each other but they're supposed to be doing their homework and the husband comes in the door, he's had a great day he drops his bag uh, right at the door he goes over to the kitchen, grabs her around the way spins her around, says you're the best thing I've seen all day Man, I couldn't wait to get home to see you. I love you so much. He plants a big wet one right on her right there. And he says, all right, now what do we need to do? And he starts rolling up his sleeves. Uh, Man, you are already got this down. Maybe I can set the table. I can help uh, the kids not kill each other. We can get the homework started. I can pick up some things in the living room. And so he just gets busy doing that, setting the table and doing all that kind of thing. And he looks at her and says, thank you so much. I know you work hard all day and then you come and work hard so well here. I'm just so thankful for you. I love you so much. You're such a blessing in my life. Now, how do you think she's gonna respond? Pretty good, don't you think? Nine times out of 10, she's going to be pretty happy with that. She's probably going to say, well, honey, I love you too. And you're awesome too. And thank you so much for helping. And that's called the honor cycle. He honors her. She honors him. He honors her. She honors him. And you just got, that's called dating. Okay. That's what happens when you're dating, right? there's just love and honor just flowing all over the place. All right. Now, rewind the tape and try this again. The husband comes in, he drops his bag and he says a couple of expletives. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate the commute. And, uh, and he comes in, huffs, plops himself down right on the couch, turns on ESPN, ignores everything that's going on. And then when she says, hey, how about a little help in here? He's like, well, what do you, What am I, your servant? You know, and he goes off on her and she probably is going to give it right back to him, right? Dishonor invites dishonor that invites more dishonor. And that's what we call the crazy cycle things just get, somebody tell me, crazy, right? Now listen, some of you are living in the crazy cycle. You just got dishonor that invites more dishonor. This is how marriages fall apart. At some point they were honoring and then something switched and now everything is a competition, everything is a fight, everything is a dishonor after dishonor after dishonor and separation and separation and separation until finally it just dies. And so Honor is important. Honor is what holds you together. Honor is the glue. Honor is the single most important principle for a healthy relationship. It's a command of God. It's a choice that you make and it's got the cyclical nature to it, right? But it's hard. Why is honor hard to do? We may know this cognitively in our mind. Oh yeah, I should honor my wife. I should honor my husband. I should honor my relationship. But why is it so hard for us to do it? And there's a reason. I'm going to tell you a reason why. And that is because honor requires humility. Honor requires humility. Now, if you're thinking, well, Craig, you're just making this stuff up. No, this is actually in the Bible, all right? So, let me, uh, let me give you a couple of verses so you know that I'm telling you truth. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Say those bold words with me. Humility comes before before honor. Look at Proverbs fifteen thirty three. Uh, the fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches, and humility comes before honor. You see that? So, I have to humble myself before I can truly honor another person. Now, what does that exactly mean? Well, I can illustrate it in something that you all understand and that is a seesaw, all right? Think of a seesaw. When you were a kid, you probably played on a seesaw. The cool thing about a seesaw is someone goes down and the other person goes up, right? Now, it wouldn't be a lot of fun if you just stay up And the person only stays down, right? That would be like no fun for the guy down at the bottom, right? Because everybody wants to be up, right? Because you kind of see it's kind of fun. And so what happens is then the person that's up goes down and the other person goes up and they reciprocate. They go back and forth. One choosing to go down so the other can go up. One choosing to go down so the other one can go up. And that is a picture of what honor looks like in a relationship. For you to truly lift up and honor and say, you're really the most important person in my life, it's going to choose for you to take a step back. This is what Philippians 2 says, consider others more important than yourselves. Uh, look out to the interests of others and not to your own interests, Philippians 2. It's what John the Baptist mean when he said of Christ, that he must increase and I must decrease, that there has to be something in you that says, all right, I'm going to take a step back here so I can lift you up and, and, and serve you and give you what you want. So, it doesn't always have to be the restaurant that I want to eat at. It doesn't always have to be the, the movie that I want to watch or the channel that I want to watch. It doesn't have to always be uh, what I want to do that I'm, I'm willing to go, well, it doesn't matter, I want to do what you want to do. Can you imagine what it would be like if in your marriage you were constantly just going, man, I just want to, do, no, I want what you want, I want what you want, I want what you want. You know, I mean, I know that doesn't really happen in, in truth, but how cool would that be? This idea of honor, stepping back to lift up another person is why it's so hard. And you know why? Because we don't want to take a step back. We want to be served. We want to be the most important person. We want things our way. And we want to continue on until we eventually get our way. And we think that's a good thing when it's actually a toxic thing for relationships. And it's really at the core a spiritual thing as well. Galatians 5 puts it this way, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. In other words, there is even in the heart of a believer this, this struggle of I want to do what I want and then I want to do I want to do what the Spirit of God wants. And the Spirit of God says take a step back. The Spirit of God says honor the other person. But yet I want my way and exert my rights and demand my thoughts and and so it there's this tension inside of us. And if you're honest, you feel that. Man, I want to I want to say I want to give them a piece of my mind. The spirit of God's going, nope, don't say it. And the flesh is like, let them have it, right? I'm not going to be a doormat to anybody, you know? And, And so, there's this battle inside of us. And when the flesh wins, when your sinful nature wins, dishonor comes out, and the marriage begins to fail. When the Spirit of God wins, honor comes out, and the marriage begins to thrive. It is a spiritual. Remember what I said last week? Every Marriage issue is at the core spiritual issue. Every marriage battle is at the core spiritual battle because that's what we're dealing with. And so, honor. Honor is the single most important principle for healthy relationships. It's a command of God. It's it's a choice that we make. It's, It's what makes relationships work. But it's so hard because we have this selfishness inside of us that wants our way and we don't want to take a step back and choose humility and choose to defer to the other person. And that's why so many relationships fail. That's why 42% of people that said, I do, sometime later say, I don't anymore. So how do you now? put this to work. How do how do you improve in areas of honor? What, do you, what does that look like? Give, let's get some handles here. Let's get some practical things to do. And I've got some great news for you. The Apostle Paul, in this passage, gives us some really practical things to do. I love what he starts off in verse 10. He just says, outdo one another in showing honor. I love, I told you there are other versions that put it differently, lead the way in showing honor. Some versions say, but I love outdo one another because it, it's like a competition. Listen, if you're going to compete over anything, don't compete over what what, what you're going to watch on Netflix, right? Or, or who's going to, you're going to have Chinese or Italian uh, compete over how we honor one another. I had a good friend of mine that I used to work with and he uh, loved his wife and had been married several years longer than I had at the time. And uh, he would come to work and he would of start bragging about what he did for his wife. Well, I, you know, I uh, took my wife out to dinner, you know, and he was just make a big deal about it. Kind of hacked me off. And I'm like, well, you're not the only one, pal, that can do that. So, I took Liz out to dinner. I came to the office and said, well, I took Liz out to dinner. He's like, oh yeah? Next time he comes back, he goes, I wrote, I wrote my wife a poem. I'm like, oh yeah? Next week, I come back and say, I wrote my wife a song. That's a poem with music, you know? He was like, oh, oh yeah, well, I, I took my wife on this on this picnic, and, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I, we went to a movie theater. I mean, I didn't have much money, all right, so I couldn't do a lot. But And so we're, like, for about six weeks, we had this back and forth, outdoing one another and showing honor. Now, listen, the ladies loved it, all right? They were like, keep it going, guys. But, but it was just competition. What if that were— What if that happened in your connect group, right? Where, guys, you're just trying to outdo one another in how you honor your wife. Or ladies, you're trying to outdo one another in how you love and honor your husband. How cool would that be? What if if in a marriage you were trying to always outdo one another in deferring and loving and taking the step back to lift the other person up? That is called a loving marriage. That's called how it's supposed to work. See, I talked to you in in the first in this series, I talked about the plan, the design. I talked in the second one about why, how sin has messed all that up. But now I'm talking about how God can redeem it and make it actually work. So let me give you some four practical things. Like I said, I got a lot of content today, four practical things about how to improve honor in your marriage. Whether you're newlywed, or you've been married, you know, for a couple of decades, uh, whether you've got kids or no kids, it doesn't really matter. All of us can improve. Amen? Can we agree with that? Amen? Can we agree with that? All right, thank you. I'm not the only one here. All right. So, four things to ways to improve uh, honor, increase honor in your home. Number one, honor with your affection. Honor with your affection. Look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Some versions say, let love be genuine or let love, love be sincere. One way that you honor your husband or your wife or your children or your parents, whatever the relationship is, is to show genuine affection for them. That they feel that you love them. Look at verse 10. He he reinforces it again. Love one another deeply. Let me ask you something. Does your family feel like you love them? Do they feel like you really deeply love them? Uh, This is when you show affection and sincere, deep love for your husband or for your wife or for your children or, or your parents, then that honors them. The honor quotient goes up. Uh, The opposite is true. If you don't show any affection, if you don't have any sense of deep love for them at all, then, then that's dishonor. It's like saying, you're not worthy of me loving, see? So how can you increase your affection in your home? How can you increase this love quotient? Well, he actually gives us something to do in this passage that is really, really helpful. I want you to look at it, verse 15. I, I, a lot of times, guys struggle with this area because the guys may say, Well, I'm just not a romantic kind of person. I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I love my wife, but I just don't know how to share it. I'm just kind of a dude. I don't really know how to do that. And so, let me give you guys, if that's you, here's some really a simple way to increase your love quotient. All right? Look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now, what does that mean? That means that you need to know what, what, your, what your spouse is happy about, what your kids are happy about. You need to know what they're anxious about, what they're worried about, what's stressing them. That when things are going well, you're dancing in the hallway and you're high-fiving and you're celebrating with them, and when they're sad and they're hurting, that you sit down with them and go, man, I know that this is really hard. And I want you to know that I want to I want to sit in that and I want to experience that with you. And I want to uh, I want to grieve with you. A lot of times what we do is we say, well, I, my, our, our, let's say our wife is anxious about something or afraid of something. And we'll go, oh, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? Why are you worried about that? That's not, right? And then we kind of we bark at it like, like that's no big deal. Like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Why are you thinking? And does that make her feel honored? Uh, yes or no? Uh, no. All the ladies are going, no, right? No, it doesn't. Better to say, you know what, I know that you're really anxious about this. And I know that that's just stirring on. And, and I want you to know that I love you. And if you're anxious about something, I am. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. And I'm here with you. And I want to just pray for you and encourage you. See, that honors that person by getting to know them. That's called emotional connection. Emotional connection. So, One way that you can increase this affection, this, increase this love quotient that really honors them is to really talk to them at what is happening in your heart. I mean, pop the hood of their heart and start looking in there and saying, what are you anxious about? What are you worried about? What are you excited about? What are you afraid of? And then let's, let's talk about that together because what you're feeling matters to me. I'm honoring you by honoring what you're going through, okay? Boy, that's a huge deal affection. You honor with your affections. And by the way, it's not just husband and wife, wife to husband as well. Tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me what you're dealing with. Tell me how you're feeling about that. Tell me what I can do. Second thing, not only is your affection, but you honor with your uh, attitude. Now, by the way, there are lots of attitudes that I could pick out of this or tease out of this passage. I really don't have time for that, so I'm just going to give you one that I think is, is a really helpful one. And that is a servant attitude. Look at verse 11. He says, don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Now, you saw, I honestly hear about serving God, but also we serve God by serving our families and those that are closest to us. You know, the five best words that you can use in your marriage is how can I, help? well, that's how can I, help? that's four. Anyway, okay, four best words. Uh, how can I help, right? How can I help? How, how can I help you? How can I support you? How can I come alongside you? That's that servant attitude, right? Instead of coming and expecting somebody to wait on you, that you're waiting on them and you're delighting in that. And many times, it's not convenient to help somebody else, right? It's just not. I want to watch this movie. I don't want to help the kids with their algebra. I, I want to uh, I watch this, you know, this, this sports thing. I don't want to uh, vacuum. Right? That's, not, that's not my spiritual gift. Right? I, I, I don't want to go to the grocery store right now, but I know it needs to happen. But, but I have this how can I help mentality. This how can I help attitude that lifts that other person up. Listen, a servant attitude goes a long way in creating honor in your home. Um, I remember a man named Herman. There was a, a dear friend of mine, he's, he's in his 80s now. He was really a, a discipler uh, for me as a young pastor. His wife, Marita, was just a delight. Uh, he loved her well. She radiated uh, just with, with joy. Uh, he, he was, it was just a delightful couple and a great example for Liz and myself. And um, I remember that um, Herman would serve her all the time, but especially in the latter years. When she came down with cancer, he just delighted in serving her, even when she could not serve him back. And he served her all the way to her last breath. He loved her well her whole life. And he said, baby, I will see you on the other side. And he said, Craig, I have no regrets. No regrets. See, somehow we think that if we serve, then we're getting the short end of the deal when actually when we're serving. We're receiving so much because of the delight of loving and serving and honoring that person that's so important in our life. So how do we increase our honor in our home? Well, you start by your affection. Do you really emotionally connect with them? And are you sitting in and trying to relate to where they are emotionally and and speaking into that? Uh, Number one, are you serving that other person? Do you have an attitude of service that, that is ready and willing to serve? of them no matter what they need from you. Here's another one. You honor with your words. This is a big one. Look at verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. This is a really, really big one. The words you use and the tone you choose has a lot to do with whether you have honor in your home or not. Most dishonor comes out of your mouth, all right? Or maybe, maybe it's not, maybe, well, hold on. Maybe it's not what comes out of your mouth, but it's the rolling eyes. It's the, it's the shrugged shoulder. It's the big exhale. It's this under your breath groan. It's, it's all these things that we do that communicate even non-verbally. That's so idiotic what you just said. Or you're so annoying to me. Or uh, I don't have patience for you. This kind of demeaning, dishonoring stuff is what erodes and erodes over time any sense of love and honor in your home. It's just toxic, folks. It's just toxic. Your words are either going to build up or they're going to tear down. It's either going to draw people close to you or it's pushing them away from you. And so, your words, the words that you use and the tone that you choose is so important. Uh, Al, uh, Alice Zao is a mother, a wife, and a data analyst. And her and her husband uh, first went on, their, on a date in October 2008. They've been married now for many years. And on their sixth anniversary, Alice decided to go back and look at their old text. Their text before they got married and their text after they've been married to see if they were any different. And not only did she look at their text, she actually analyzed their text because that's what she does, right? And this is what she discovered. Uh, let me put up this little bar graph. Uh, green is when they were dating. Red is when they were, uh, at, now that they've been married. And some of the key words that popped up the most uh, when they were dating, uh, it was a lot of, hey, hey, what's happening? Hey, what's going on? Whereas, okay, when you're, uh, when you're married. It's interesting, she said, they said each other's names in their text more when they were dating. Not nearly as much. You see how low that is of saying their name when they were, um, when they were married. Uh, they said love more uh, when they were dating. Not nearly as much when they were married. And then, of course, home dinner takes a tick up. I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> Mostly, can you bring this home for dinner kind of thing. But isn't that interesting? Uh, we don't say each other's names as much. We don't say love as much. Let me ask you something. If you we were to analyze your text before and after marriage, if you were to look at your words that you used when you were dating and the words and the tone that you use now, would there be a difference? Listen, your words... Have the power to honor or dishonor. It's in the tongue. And then let me give you one more way that you can increase honor very quickly, and that is you honor by the way you resolve conflict. Look at verse 16. He says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. He goes on to say, Do what's honorable. Live at peace with all people. He's talking about conflict resolution. Listen, it's interesting when Paul says, when you have conflict, don't be proud and don't be wise in your own eyes. That's really saying the same thing, right? In other words, don't have to win every argument. Don't have to attack the other person. Don't, don't always make it about them. Uh, don't always make it personal. Don't, don't, don't lash out. Don't blow up. Don't, don't storm out the room or, or peel out of the parking lot. I mean, come on. Don't, don't do that. When you have, if you truly honor and love a person, then when there is conflict, then there will always be conflict, that you do that even in an honoring way by saying, you know what? I love you so much and I love our marriage so much that I want to bring up an issue that I think is eating away at that and I know that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to bring this to resolution because I'm fighting for us. See that's an honoring way instead of you always and you never and attack and threaten. Paul's saying don't do it like that. Honor one another. How, in your last fight, was it honoring or dishonoring? Did do you, do you say things that you wish you could take back? Listen. Honor is the single most important principle for healthy relationships. It is the glue that holds it all together. It's command of God. It's how we work. It's how family works. It's how marriage works. And the way that we can increase that, even though we're bent toward dishonor, we can focus, we can choose to honor the persons in our life that matter the most. So, which one of these four... Do you need to work on? Is it, a, a, is it a, your attitude? Is it your affection? Is it your words? Is it your conflict resolution? And let me give you a little challenge. And guys, I'm going to challenge you because you're leading out in the relationship. So, let me challenge you. If you really want to be gutsy, if you really want to take a risk, if you really want to take a flyer this weekend, this is going to be a challenge, all right? It's not going to be easy. But why not sit down with your wife and look at those four things and say on a scale from 1 to ten, one being horrible, 10 being awesome, how would I rank in this area of affection? How would I rank in this area of uh, attitude? How would I rank in this area of my words and conflict resolution? And then y'all just talk about both of those. How do we rank? What would it take to get from a 5 to a 10, or a 7 to a 10, or a 2 to a 10? What would it take for us to really amp up our game? and outdo one another in showing honor. Listen, if you would give that kind of attention, just think what God could do. When others and I, early on, realized things had to change, we realized that what had to change was how we honored one another. And listen, if you want a home of honor, it takes that choice, that that intentionality to do it. Now, the hard part is we can't do it on our own, right? Remember our flesh, doesn't want to honor. And so that's why we need Christ. That's why we need the Spirit of God to help us defer to the other person, to honor the other person. When our flesh wars against it, we need the Spirit of God to empower us to do it. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you're in the crazy cycle. Things have been crazy for a long time. In fact, your heart has gotten harder and harder as you have become more distant because of so much now you know why so much dishonor that's happened maybe for months maybe for years but here's the good news i want you to understand is that that can change what you think is dead can come back to life but it comes back to life as you honor that person as you move toward them in the ways that God taught us to right here in His Word. And you say, well, Craig, I can't do that. I don't I don't know how to do it. I don't have it in me to do it. I don't feel that. That's why you need the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God can empower you to do what will bring health and healing to your home. The Spirit of God can bring dead things to life. The Spirit of God can bring feelings back that you thought were long since gone. That's why we need Him so much. Maybe before you can really honor another person, you start with honoring God, making Him the center and the Lord of your life. See the good news is, while we were sinful to the core, selfish, going from relationship to relationship like a wrecking ball, that Christ came. And He showed us what real love is like. He took our sin on Him. He died in our place. He humbled Himself. He took our shame. He stood in our place. He endured and He suffered and sacrificed for us. He died on that cross. He was buried. On the third day, He rose again. And He offers new life and a new heart and His Spirit to live within us so that we can change. And maybe your first step is to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you more than anything. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Just with your heads bowed, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. God knows your heart. He sees you right now. Pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on the cross for me. And you rose again. And Lord, I need you. I need you to forgive me for my own sinfulness and Lord fill me with your spirit and help me to honor the people that you put in my life Lord help me this week help me today to say yes to you and no to my old ways Lord I choose to follow you Father, I thank you for all those that are listening today. Lord, so many hurting families, so many hurting couples, so much dishonor for way too long. But Lord, you've given us the answer is that your spirit within us, Then we can learn to honor. We 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 can learn to love. We can learn to see as priceless and valuable these people that you put in our lives. Lord, you can resuscitate hope. You can bring love back to life again. Lord, we need you. And Lord, I pray for every marriage that you would protect that marriage this week, God, that you would nurture that marriage. I pray for husbands to have conversations with their wife, wives to their husbands. Lord, I pray that honor would rule in our homes, that honor would be a household word. And that as we honor one another, we honor you. And we show the world what God's love really looks like. So Lord, fill us and use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.